0: chapter sixty-one of the creators a comedy by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter sixty-one Broderick had been alone in the first fortnight that followed jane's extraordinary departure instead of settling down to be comfortable with gertrude he had packed her off to the seaside with the children and their nurse he had often wondered what he should do without gertrude now he knew he knew by incontrovertible experiment that he could not do without her at all everything even the silver chiming clock went wrong in her absence if before that fortnight brodrick had been asked suddenly with what feelings he regarded gertrude collett he would have replied that he was unaware of regarding the lady with any feelings or indeed of regarding her intimately at all and he would have told the simple truth brodrick was of all men the most profoundly unaware of course there was gratitude he had always been aware of that but in that fortnight his gratitude took on immense proportions it became a monstrous and indestructible indebtedness he would have said that such a feeling so far from making him comfortable with gertrude would have made him very uncomfortable much more uncomfortable than he cared to be but curiously it was not so in his renewed intercourse with gertrude he found a vague exquisite satisfaction the idea of not paying gertrude back in any way would have been intolerable but what he felt now was so very like affection that it counted as in some measure a return it was as if he had settled it in his own mind that he could now meet the innocent demands which the angelic woman seemed to make goodness knew it wasn't much to ask a little attention a little display of the feeling so very like affection after all that she had done it pleased him now when he came mooning drearily into the drawing-room to find gertrude in possession he was almost always tired now and he was glad to lie back in an easy chair and have his tea handed to him by gertrude he looked forward in fancy to the children's hour that followed tea-time and he had made a great point at first of having them to himself but as a matter of fact being almost always tired he enjoyed their society far more sincerely when gertrude was there to keep them in order that was her gift she had been the genius of order ever since she had come into his house good gracious was it ten years ago her gift made her the most admirable secretary an editor could have but she was more than that now she was a perfect companion to a physically fatigued and intellectually slightly deteriorated man he owned to the deterioration jane had once told him that his intellect was a lazy powerful beast it seemed to him now humbly regarding it that the beast was and always had been much more lazy than powerful it required constant stimulus to keep it going his young ambition and his young passion for jane holland had converged to whip it up it flagged with the dying down of passion and ambition things latterly had come a bit too late his dream had been realized too late and he hadn't realized it either jane had realized it for him no sooner had he got his wonderful magazine into his own hands than he found out how little he cared about it he had become more and more absorbed in its external and financial aspects he showed more and more as the man of business the slightly hustled and harassed father of a family he had put off intellectual things his deterioration weighed on him when he thought of jane but gertrude's gentleness stood between him and any acute perception of his state sometimes when they sat together over her fire lit in the september evenings there would be long silences gertrude never broke a silence she was conscious of it she as it were held it he could almost feel her holding it tenderly as if she loved it she handled it gently as if she were afraid that it would break she gave him so much sense of her presence and no more she kept before him humbly veiled from his vision the fact that she was there to serve him sometimes a curious shyness would come on her it was not the poignant shyness of her youth which brodrick had once found so distressing it conveyed no fear and no embarrassment only so he made it out the quietest subtlest hint of possible flight its physical sign was the pale suffused flame in gertrude's face and that web of air across her eyes there was a sort of charm about it sometimes coming upon gertrude alone and unaware of him he would find her sad he said to himself then that she had no great cause for gaiety it was a pretty heavy burden for her this shouldering of another woman's responsibilities he thought that jane had sometimes been a little hard on her he supposed that was her jane's feminine way the question was whether he himself might not have been kinder whether there wasn't anything that he might yet do to make life sweeter to her he was in fact profoundly sorry for gertrude more profoundly sorry than he had been ten years ago when she had come to him and he had kept her though he didn't want her because he was sorry for her well he wanted her enough now in all conscience then the horrible thought would occur to him supposing gertrude were to go it was not conceivable her going for above all her gifts gertrude was an incomparable mother to those unfortunate children since jane's departure brodrick had begun to think definitely of his children as unfortunate it was distinctly pleasurable the feeling with which he watched her ways in gathering them to her side and leading them softly from the room when daddy was busy or when poor daddy was so tired more than once he found himself looking out of his study window at her quiet play with the little boys in the garden solemn little boys they were and sometimes he wondered whether little jackie were not too solemn too preternaturally quiet for four and a half and rather too fond of holding gertrude's hand he remembered how the little beggar used to romp and laugh when jenny and remembering he would turn abruptly from the window with a sore heart and a set face three weeks passed thus there was a perceptible increase in gertrude's shyness and sadness one evening after dinner she came to him in his study he rose and drew forward a chair for her she glanced at his writing-table and at the long proof-sheets that hung from it streaming i mustn't she said you're busy well not so busy as all that what is it i've been thinking that it would perhaps be better if i were to leave to leave what's put that into your head she did not answer she appeared to him dumb with distress have the children been too much for you poor little darlings no little monkeys send them to me if you can't manage them it isn't that it is i don't think it's right for me to say not right on the children's account i mean he looked at her and a shade a tremor of uneasiness passed over his face i say he said you don't think they're unhappy she smiled without their mother he jerked it out with a visible effort no if they were i wouldn't be so uneasy come you don't want them to be unhappy do you no i don't want anybody to be unhappy that's why i think i'd better go on their account he repeated hopelessly adrift theirs and their mothers but it's on their account and their mothers that we want you I know, but it isn't fair to them or to Mrs. Broderick that they should be so dependent on me. But they're babies. Not quite, now. It isn't right that I should be taking their mother's place, that they should look to me for everything. But, he broke in irritably, they don't. Why should they? They do. They must. You see, it's because I'm on the spot. I see. He hid his frowning forehead with one hand i know she continued it can't be helped it isn't anybody's fault it's it's inevitable yes for the present it's inevitable they both paused on that word i suppose he said you're really afraid that they'll get too fond of you yes they're very fond of their mother aren't they yes if she were always here of course it does make your position a little difficult still we don't want them to fret for her we don't want them not to be fond of you besides if you went what on earth would they do without you they must learn to do without me they would have someone else yes and they'll be fond of her not in the same way i think perhaps i've given myself too much to them there's something unusual something tragic in the way they cling to me i know it's bad for them i try to check it and i can't and i've no right to let it go on nobody has a right except their mother well it's awfully nice of you to feel like that about it but as you say i don't see how it's to be helped i think you're taking an exaggerated view conscientiously exaggerated they're too young you know to be very tragic she smiled as through tears i don't think you'll save tragedy by going besides what should i do you yes you don't appear to have thought of me don't i she smiled again as if at some secret none too happy of her own. If I had not thought of you, I should never have come here a second time. If I had not thought of you, I should not have thought of going. Did you think I wanted you to go? I was not quite sure. He laughed. Are you sure now? She looked at him again. I do help you by staying. He was overwhelmed by his indebtedness. Most certainly you do. I must have been very ungracious if you haven't realized how indispensable you are if you're sure of that i'll stay good he held out his hand and detained hers for a moment are you sure you don't want to leave us i'm not asking too much of you she withdrew her hand you have never asked too much thus gertrude uncovered the knees of the gods end of chapter 61